Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Laurel and Hardy. No. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. I'm fine. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Benedict. Hi, my name is Richard Spate. And we're talking about Season 2, Episode 12, Night Shifter. Night Shifter. Hey, but before we get going, Rich, did you know that we have a Patreon now for this, Come on. this podcast? Yeah. We do? Yeah. Now, we already have one for our Kings of Con podcast. And for right. anyone who does that, you know that it's the, it's the way to go. You got to subscribe to us on Patreon. There's either the Angel level or the Archangel level. I'm going to be the Archangel level because I played an Archangel. Okay, well, name drop of yourself. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. You'll get early access to episodes, exclusive content, and all kinds of benefits. Can't wait for my benefits. Bring on the benefits. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Rich is an archangel. I'm going to start calling you Robbie Benefit, because it's like Benedict, but different. That's right, benefits. You might also get some of those Zoom interviews you've been asking for. Robbie, I have some questions for you when I get my benefit. Great. We want to try Zoom interview, Rich, asking Robbie the questions that people are afraid to ask. This is the kind of back and forth you're going to get only if you subscribe to our Patreon. And let me tell you too, if you go, if you subscribe to the one on Kings of Con, this is going to be better. And I'm saying that because <laughs> it's run by an actual producer who's going to do it really, really well. Oh, yeah. But if it was just me and Rich, we'd be dropping the ball. So it's a really good thing. So go to patreon.com slash SPN then and now to learn more and sign up. Yeah, do it now. Okay. Night Shifter. Tell us all about it, Bobo. Sam and Dean pose as FBI agents to investigate a string of robbers who killed themselves after the holdup. That seems pointless if you hold up the bank and you can't spend the dough if you off yourself. It does. It does seem ridiculous, but nevertheless, their investigation brings them to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where they meet Ronald Resnick, an ex-bank security guard and conspiracy theorist. Mm. Now, Ronald doesn't believe that the crimes were committed by the folks accused of the robberies, but by a being that is able to change and assume identities, person that he calls a mandroid. Mandroid. Yeah, the mandroid. Now, the brothers confiscate the security tapes in Ronald's possession and assure him there's no such thing. This is the work of people. Good old-fashioned people, Bobo. Good good old-fashioned people. (laughs) Actually, in reality, the boys know that this is the work of a shapeshifter and are able to identify the bank that is the next robbery target. Sam and Dean pretend to work at the security company. They're able to view the security cameras and identify the branch manager as the shapeshifter because of his glowing eyes on a security camera. Right. Before Sam and Dean can move in on him, Ronald bursts in and takes everyone hostage. He believes the mandroid is there. That's an extreme move by Ronald, I'm just going to say. Truly, truly is. Dean levels with Ronald and explains it isn't a mandroid, but a shapeshifter. Together, they lock everyone in the vault and go looking for the branch manager. However... He's already shed his skin and assumed the identity of somebody else. Yick. 
Police have now surrounded the bank. Sam's worried about Dean getting arrested. Yeah, because Dean's already in hot water. You know, he's already wanted for crimes that he didn't commit, but his shapeshifter sort of framed him. So That's you know. right. That's right. And then a hostage starts to have a heart attack. Or faked a heart attack. I don't know. I didn't trust that hostage. A heart attack hostage. And in the commotion to get him out, the shapeshifter makes a run for it. Classic shapeshifter. More like shape, shape runner. Shape runner. <laughs> that should have been the name of the episode. And for the record, I wouldn't put a hyphen in shapeshifter. I say make it all one word. Okay, well. Ronald pursues the shapeshifter who made a run for it, runs by a window, and is shot by a police sniper. Dean is able to get the ailing man outside, but is caught on camera. The FBI agent in charge of the hostage situation calls Dean and tells him he's been looking for him since St. Louis. And what happened down there? SWAT. SWAT storms the building. (laughs) (laughs) We got a SWAT storm coming over (laughs) east side of the city. SWAT storms the building, and the boys are able to isolate and kill the shapeshifter. They're able to overpower the two SWAT team members and wear the uniforms to escape to the Impala. Okay, Rich, Night Shifter. Loved it. Right out of the gate. I'm going to tell you right now. I I thought it was great. It felt big. Felt like Dog Day Afternoon meets... Uh, you know, an action movie because I had the, the the all the people outside, the big crowd yes. sequences, and they like they blocked off a street of Vancouver. Yep, helicopters like, around, and it was just big, yeah. man. It felt it big. a little bit, a little bit heat, a uh, little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dog day, uh, definitely dog day afternoon. Yeah, and everybody in it is is so great. And you know, I Chris Gauthier, I, I had the pleasure of meeting a few years ago. He's a, and he's the one. He's the gentleman who plays Ronald, right? Yeah, and he's nails that part. And then Malik. Plays the FBI guy. He's great. Malik Whitfield is so yeah. great. Yeah, and he, uh, he, you know, he means business. And there are just so many things that are introduced. There's this idea that now Dean is a man on the run. Dan, Sam yeah. and Dean are like boys on the run from the cops. And then you've also got your Monster of the Week episode. But within that, there's this awesome character of Ronald right. who goes from like a witness like their main witness to actually this instigator of the bank robbery. And it then it becomes just the whole this. Yeah. I want to give a big uh, shout out to that actor and to Phil Sagrisha because that character could have been a real cartoon. Could have yeah. been real, almost silly. Right. Because it's sort of a, I don't know, could have become a stock character of a, of a conspiracy theorist. But I thought right. that Chris stayed just this side of that and kept it grounded and real and, yeah. and made for a really, uh, a character we killed, we related to. So when we lost him, it was, it was gut-wrenching. And that's a guest yeah. star. Like we barely knew the guy, you yeah. know, but- still felt for him and felt like he was, his heart was in the right place. He was doing his best and got caught up uh, in a bad situation. It's just really well done. Yeah. Here's a question. Who had the combo of the bank vault? Ooh. I mean, cause they could spin the thing that locks it. Right. Right. But then how do they get it open? That's a or good maybe question. it's not with, the, maybe it's not, not that kind of vault. Maybe you just turn, turn it the other way and it opens right away. Maybe, maybe it's just like, yeah, you're just spinning in the, you're just spinning the bolts into the wall. I don't know, right. man. I okay. guess it wasn't a combo, but nonetheless, Okay. But uh, no, I loved it. I thought it was is epic. Kudos to, to Phil and to Bed Edlin for writing it. I mean, they're just, it's, re- it's really hard to get, what is it, 40, 40 minutes, 44 minutes when you take out the ads, right? Right. And to fit this much information into one synopsis for an episode, really great. It was big. It was a lot of story points, a lot of character development from not just Jared and Jensen's story, but the guest cast and, you yeah. know, the, the, the switcheroo of them thinking they had the shapeshifter in the in the form of the of the girl, but then she passes out, and they're like, "Wait a minute!" Like that was all just yeah. so well done. The fight right. 
with the actress Georgia was so great, you know, and it was like a girl in a nightgown fighting Dean and it was right. tense. It was, at no point was it tongue in cheek or silly. It was just really well done. Yeah. And, and he never said like, you know, I can't hit a girl. Like it was, it just like yeah, full they just went straight. at it. They really yeah. went at it. I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah. The one thing I thought was funny that kind of felt like, okay, TV moment was at the end, you know, suddenly there's just two FBI guys in their underwear locked up in a closet like they never show the guy sneaking up on a couple of dudes or, you know, it doesn't really no. show the FBI in the best light of like they can be duped by the, the two very people they're searching for yeah. and get the jump on them and knock them unconscious without alerting any of the other FBI yeah. agents in the building and get them also, their skivvies. I was also know? impressed that, that Sam took down like four of them. Like guns and all, those guys are just like. Yeah, I, I saw that. That was a real action moment. Yeah. Yeah. Whack, 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 and they're all down. And what are the, what are the odds that they they would they would cork a, a six foot five inch FBI guy? Because like otherwise, Sammy's like you know right. looking like you were wearing like a little kid's FBI yeah. outfit on a normal guy. Hey but Johnny, so, so, so Johnny, who's these... the big guy? I don't recognize. <laughs> I don't recognize him. Why is he wearing shorts? On the heels of that. When they get out and they're up the stairs and they're going to the Impala and they just break into a saunter. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Right, <laughs> that right, seemed right, a little right. like, yeah. uh, wouldn't you be a little nervous? Like, still okay, let's go. Start you? the car. Start the car. <laughs> like they just start moseying through the parking garage. Yeah. Yeah. To get to the Impala. I'm like, guys, we've got a ticking clock here. You're, yeah. you're being pursued and you're in stolen FBI gear. Like you got to get on your horse here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when they pull their ski mask up and and Jen, and Jared, it it becomes kind of a beanie. Yeah, I thought ah, that was his beanies. first. It was Jared loves his beanies. <laughs> he does. That was maybe beanies. that was the first moment. It was the origin story of the beanie. And by beanies we mean hats, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> we mean yeah. headgear. Okay, um, so I'm gonna give it a, a a beard rating, and I'm gonna go this. I don't do this very often, Robbie. I'm gonna go full butchy beard. Chris Stapleton, big beard. Same. Well, well groomed, well, well grown beard. My favorite so far of season two. Yeah, say same. It. Just rock yeah. solid. I mean, every single guest star was a home run. It just was built, yeah. built solid from the ground up. Jo- great right. job, Ben Edlin. Great job, Phil Segrisha. Great job to all the actors on the show. Awesome. So before we get to our interview, I'd like to just take a pause. And someone uh, actually, uh, we were at a convention in Rome a few weeks ago, and somebody suggested that we take a minute to talk about where Sam and Dean are in their journey. And I think that's a good, that was a good suggestion. So let's just talk about for just a quick second, like, so what's what's going on in the overall arc of their relationship right now this season? And correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I see it, like, there's this odd sort of tension going on because dad told Dean before dad died, you're going to have to kill Sam maybe? Right? Well, yeah, that's what we thought. At one point, I thought it might be a demon is your dad. Yeah, and he's not your brother, which really got to my head. And now I can't remember if that's two or not, but I guess it's not. No. So, and then, you know, besides just the sort of normal conflict that they have, that's this thing that keeps going on where right. Sam is concerned about it. You yeah, know but don't I mean? you feel like Sam Sam is concerned about it, but Sam's also kind of morphing into this. He's almost taking the the reins and he's being more violent towards Sterling K. Brown's character in the earlier right. episodes in season right. two. And even in this one, you made the you know the comment about him whooping up on those FBI, FBI agents, guys. You know, yeah. If take take the sort of like, is that possible or not possible out of it? That's just Ness, Sam Winchester wouldn't have done that right. a season ago. Right. You know? Right. Um, I agreed. And, uh, you know, I'm just interested to see where, how it unfolds, uh, between the two of them. Cause you know, there are some episodes where I'm like, wow, they're not getting along. So there's just something bubbling underneath. 
Well, I mean, they did like they were a little infighting in this situation. In this situation, they were, yeah. you know, D- Sam was really annoyed at Dean that he put himself in harm's way because yeah. here they are, the- Dean's pers- being pursued by the feds anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? So there's a lot and going then, on. It's not it's yeah, bigger than just daddy issues now. And he's kind of jealous, jealous when he's in the uh, the vault, and then the the hot girl who worked there was like, "Oh, your brother's such a hero." <laughs> that was a good eye roll moment for him. Yeah, yeah. From that was the same girl where he's checking out her her bum on the camera. Did you notice that? I didn't. I when they're that. in the video room, he like zooms in on her bum. Oh right, I don't know. That was that. George he's like, Dean, that, Dean, that. we got to look at their eyes. Her eyes are up there, Dean. You don't you didn't see that? Yes, you didn't yes, catch yes, that? Yes, 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 of course. Uh, I, that I was, don't remember that. It must be the same, probably because that is the featured actress of the episode. So it must be. Uh, real creepo move there by Dean, though. Classic Dean. It's a classic uh, Dean. Dated uh, move. Yeah. All right, let's get to our interview. All right, it's time for well. Our interview with two of the greats. I mean, we've had Ben Adelant on this show. We've had Phil Segrisha, but we have never had them together. That's right. Until now. Or as I like to call them, Bill. Is that their celebrity? Yeah, Ben. Ben Adelant. Phil Segrisha. Or Finn. Yeah. Phil Segrisha directed four or five episodes of Supernatural. He's now directing The Boys. And Ben Adelant wrote 24 episodes of Supernatural and created and executive produced The Tick. Here they are. All right, everybody, we have a real treat back to join us, but not the first time they've been on the show, first time they've been together. Writer, producer, Ben Edlund, and editor, producer, writer, just over overall personality, not writer, but a writer in my heart, Phil Segrisha. That, what does that mean, a writer in your heart? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to cover. Um, you know, this oh, is a big deal, Robbie. This is what we call a Hollywood moment when you get two... Industry bigwigs, obviously individually, we've had that. We've had Bit Endland. We've had we've had Phil Segrisha. But this is a powerhouse combo we got going on here. Yeah, oh. it really is. Yeah. It really Intense. is. So, um, we, so, so let's, Ben let's, Ben wrote the episode that we're talking about, and right. and Phil directed it. Let's get that out of the way off the bat. Yeah, Phil did not write it. Is this no. the was this the first team up? Was this the first Segrisha Edland one two punch? Oh yeah, yeah, it was. and not the last. No, no, had mo- much more fun moments. So here's a question. I know that Supernatural is like it's its own animal in that it d- typically does not have a writer on set. Like, you know, a lot of shows will have the writer come up and be a part of the process. Not so much in in, in Supernatural, but obviously in the pre-production process, everybody's on the same calls and on the same page. How much interaction did you guys have and how much did the script adjust from what you were handed Phil to what ended up being shot in that sort of pre-production process? Well, I'm in LA a lot where the writers are because I'm in post. So Ben and I would be in the same offices and I'm sure we had many a conversation before I went up to prep. You know, there was always just the things that you, you read into it. One of the best things about having a script by Ben and having the casting that we did was it takes about 75% of the weight off your shoulders as a director. You know, it's like when you get a good story and it and everything works and makes sense and then you get some casting gems like uh, we had in this episode. It was... Uh, Chris Gautier was really great. Yeah, really fun. And uh, the young lady, I think her name was Georgia, who is the one that fights... Uh, Jensen, yeah, and, right, yeah, in, in her slip and her cut neck. Uh, she was a, a gamer, I mean, really totally yeah. into it. So. That was that was one of the most brutal fights, I think. Yeah. Uh, at least for Earth, it was just incredibly raw, and you don't feel any sense that Dean is undermatched, like, right? Uh, she was God, very, no, that was very, oh, no, 
That that was, that was a beautifully the, beautifully made scene, Phil. I'll take it. It was, it was, one, it was one of those. It was where we had to kind of play the rules. You're looking at a woman in a slip, you know, an undergarment, and she needs to hold her own because of you know. And it was super fun. Jensen was all game for it, and so was Georgia. So yeah. I remember that fight because it was a horrible like location. We were actually in a basement somewhere. Yeah. Might have been that bank. That bank basically opened their vault literally to us. Was it a working bank? Yeah, it was a real bank. It's uh, RBC Bank in in Vancouver. And but not like ta- ta- you know, not retired. It was like still they just shut down no, for was, the day. Was, yeah, it was still. But I think they had. I don't know. They allowed filming, and it was it was big, and it had all those staircases. And then we built some of the hallways and some of the back room stuff on stage. But um, it all kind of Jerry Wanick and the art department made it seamless, and uh, it was super fun because we got everything we needed outside with the police and the SWATs and FBI. It was a big, big episode. A lot going on. There was a lot. Yeah. And it was weird because it was like this weird action show, horror show kind of, because there was a lot of moments that weren't necessarily horror elements. You know, it was about Mm -hmm. them being caught and about how bad you felt for Ronald, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. You know, there were, so, there were things that were interesting. You know, Rob mentioned it was a big show. And it was a very big show, which you wouldn't necessarily think if you saw it described. It almost, you would almost think it's a bottle episode because they're all in a bank and they're all in a vault. <laughs> and it's, and it, but th- it's far from the case. I was struck by uh, how b- big it started out of the gate. You know, you, all that, all that, you know, news footage, which sometimes in a TV show, you feel like they, you know, put three people with notepads in a corner and, you know, just kind of <laughs> shoot it and hope that, the walla sound they add later makes it sound big, but this looked big. I mean, it looked like you mm-hmm. shut down a street of Vancouver at night, and and yeah, we did. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, was, now was that was that already in the script, or was that an edit choice to make that the the news? Okay. How you do you do kind of a, a cut out of right out of then the, uh, yeah out of, out of the teaser into a news break. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I was think that was scripted, but uh, you know that's also one of those moments. Even by that point, I had done enough television where when you write in a scene like that, you're already yeah. picturing what you're talking Like, oh, there's a news van. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there's like five cops <laughs> in a news van. And oh, right. and there's... Right. There, there, but no, it was really powerful. I also love the way that it works with the cop that walks by the, the entrance and he just looks like he's ignoring it. And then that, I don't recall necessarily. I think that that's, that's a, a kind of moment that Phil might have created that's on a, the fly. Uh, that's a an homage to the Anderson tapes, which was a Sean Connery movie in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Wow! They're gonna they're gonna rip off all these expensive condos in the whole building, and somebody has been illegally wiretapping most of the people in this building, and so the cops have all the info, but they can't use any of it. In fact, they have to erase the tapes at the end of the movie. But there's a moment where a person goes by on a bike and looks, and then you see him go around the corner, and there's fifty thousand cops. You know. Right. I wow. think it was, it was probably that uh, in my head because huh. it was, was kind of one of those to help cr- keep the tension like, oh, they're not going to get out of this. You know, yeah. and it was, this was kind of we had already started down the road on the show of the boys being fugitives. You know, we'd already set that up. Right. So this was an extension of, of that being, mm-hmm. you know, on the run. It was so effective, though, and it's so big. There, there, there were several elements about this story that felt big going back to the fight 
one of the things I thought was really cool about the fight between Jensen and Georgia was the peeling off of the arm skin. <laughs> was that a Phil thing or was that a Ben thing? No, I think Ben, I think that was in the script because I think we wanted to make sure the audience knew who she yeah. was. It was really cool and so effectively done. And again, you know, beating the rush on effects back in the day because, you know, I'm sure that took a fair amount of practical application of something. To get That's all it was. It was, yeah. it was all, all practical. It was like goo under, she mm-hmm. had this arm and we could repeal it, you know, put it back <sighs> on. And they just had this layer of goop underneath it. So when he grabs it, it just sloughs off, you know, and how many, yeah. uh, how many takes do you remember? How many times you pulled that off? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know we could redo it, but it was like not as effective. But it, it was the middle of a fight, so it kind of helped that you know you could get to that point, you know, mm-hmm. through the fight, and then we put it on <laughs> her, and you know, and then it was just that one piece of the arm, and he holds yeah. it up. And that's yeah, but then the rest of the fight, she's got this scabby, yeah. bloody arm. I yeah. mean, yeah, ugh, Phil. Well, I. <laughs> You gotta talk to Toby, Toby Lindela. He did the the effects. Okay, I will. That's good fake skin. Yeah. So we're halfway through season two, and a menagerie of monsters have started to develop. We got crossroad demons, vampires, shapeshifters, vengeful spirits. Did this idea start with the monster or the trapped in a bank concept? I believe that this. Oh, that's a good question. I know that's I didn't write it, so that's why it's a good. It's actually a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a piece of knowledge that might be nice to have, I guess. Possessor <laughs> of it. In, Somebody uh, should interview you and ask yeah. that question. Then we'd really uh, know. You know. I mean, I think that the no, I think the bank as the the form. It was much. It was a lot. Had a lot to do with it, but it was also. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of the the ask that they be trapped in that situation, and we hadn't repeated. A monster like the ship that was the first repeat on the shapeshifter if yeah. i'm mm-hmm. uh, mistaken and so that yeah, in itself right. was kind of a a little bit of a what can we do to sort of vary a pre-existing monster i like stuff like that where you you meet it again and you can talk about how yeah. we met this one in milwaukee and this one and you know like right. st louis and it's right. all like uh, right to me there's something that reinforces that underlying fabric of hunter reality and sort of hunter subculture. So that right. to me is exciting. But yeah, the shapeshifter happened to be a really also flexible monster for like, who the hell would do that and why would they? Well, shapeshifters are almost human, but very like nutty and sort of idiosyncratic and kind of obsessive. So uh, it was a, a useful monster. I thought that was interesting because it said that there was a dialogue about that, about how they are almost people. So they have greed for money. Like there, it wasn't just I want to eat blood or some some monster yeah. drive. Right. It was actually a human greed that, yes. that drove them, yeah. which I thought was really cool because it sort of maybe this is the wrong word, but humanized this monster. You know, like oh, I I understand this monster more than I understand other monsters. They're driven by human frailty. You know, they just happen to have another skill set to go about it. it. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think um, they make an interesting, like, stand-in for some of the things that we're actually rationally afraid of in the people around us, which would be sociopath or psychopath, people who can step into different sort of just personas and the objectives. That's not to say that those people are less than human. That would not be per- correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> But more like, uh, more that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it plays with some of the fears evoked by the people around us and what they can be hiding and stuff. So, uh, and then also if you pull on them, 
they're just get all gross and rubbery and disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. is that a conversation that was had in the room? Like these traits, the rules that monsters abide by in the supernatural universe, you know, can ghosts go through doors and that kind of thing. In yeah. this world, was this a detail that was sort of sussed out the room? Do they have yes. human desires and that kind of thing? I think so. I mean, I think it came initially from the first one, skin or skins, like yeah. uh, that, that a lot of what was established there in terms of the shapeshifter psychology, this was a slightly more evolved one that could shapeshift with less pain and in shorter uh, order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, didn't have to have, there, there were some elements. So there was sort of like, it was a variation, but it was in the same sort of pocket um, of those creatures. But like every time we talked about either a new creature or uh, building out on an existing creature, you know, those were some of the most fun times. I, having had a lot of like role-playing game experience, you know, you argue about what the monsters are, but that's all we would do is you're like, well, oh, but what if you cut off its head? Yeah. And the same true for you, Phil, your pre-production meetings. Are you talking about, okay, this is what the, the skin's got to look like when, you know, the body. <laughs> yeah. After. I mean, we, we kind of learned a lesson with skin and that worked mm-hmm. really well. The teeth, all that, all that close up stuff. Toby, who is our special effects makeup crew chief at that time, uh, was fantastic. He's an Emmy winner guy. And, you know, he just would take it on his own. And, you know, he knew this was a horror show and there's elements that have to be that ick factor, that gross factor. You know, when Ronald falls on that big slimy heap. Yeah, you know, yeah man. Yeah. And, you know, he picks up some. And, and that's <laughs> the most gross part is like, he's not grossed out. He's intrigued by it. He's like, it's picking, so yeah. lifelike. <laughs> and it's like, he's like picking up, you know, lasagna noodles and <laughs> smelling it. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks he's he's picking up some kind of special effect makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So here's a question for the group. And and Rob, maybe we've already know this. Maybe this is a dumb question. But what do shapeshifters look like when they're not assuming the form of somebody else? Ooh. Mm. Do we know? You have to go to the, I don't know, the Splinter Prime, I guess. They, I mean, uh, so that's so I'm not missing something. We haven't seen that yet. I don't think we have seen that. Um, I, I was original. always I was always intrigued by it. Partly, it, having written two of them now. Well, later by the time I exit because a monster movie, you know. So there there are multiple sort of iterations of the shapeshifter. That the idea of all of them sort of being like. Oh, it's kind of nuts, but there's an old story by a, an excellent uh, sci-fi author named Theodore Sturgeon that's called The Dreaming Crystals. It's great. I, uh, or The Synthetic Man. And it's about someone who could shapeshift. And they were, it's a f- screwed up story. Man. It's two diamonds that are actually alien organisms that are in the eyes of this little uh, Punch and Judy puppet create uh, an entity. I don't want to get us caught up in it, but anyway. 50s, 60s sci-fi, and this the, he doesn't have a normal form. He just starts to change. He needs to be a woman. He becomes a woman. He needs to be this guy he wants to kill. He becomes that guy. It's and there is no sort of they don't. That's their biggest problem. They don't have a so. It, I would imagine they look like a kind of a creepily not distinct person, almost like you know what right. they, you know that amazing. Uh, it was Gary Oldman in the Hannibal, uh, the faceless uh, victim of Hannibal Lecter 
in I forget which which uh, movie iteration, but he played this guy who like ate his own face. I think they look like that. Oh, Ugh. wow! Was it uh, Man Eater? No, that's the old Michael Manvert. Uh, no, it was later Man on. Hunter. Yeah, it was it was later on. I think it was the second one. Uh, okay, but it's it's almost like it's the chicken and egg, right? Mm-hmm. Which came first? Because you almost, I for me, I almost don't want to know, you know, how yeah. it started because every every decision you make to try and explain that somebody's going to go, Nope, that's not right. <laughs> you know? Right. You're, yeah. kind of, you're kind of stuck. I think trying to, well, the question is cool. Yeah, it is for sure. Right. So then it, that it is still alive and it didn't through 15 years. So, so far as I know, you know, better Phil, yeah. it didn't get an answer, which means it's one of those ones you can kind of think about. Right. Uh, for sure. You know? Does it come back? Does shapeshifter come back in supernatural at some point? Not that one. That okay. one gets killed. That one, um, that one it, they uh, Dean killed. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Of course, uh, the, dead. The, right. the critter comes back, certainly in the monster movie, which I think is the yeah. fourth season. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think there has to have been at least another one. And there are sort of companion critters that are close, somewhere between yeah. Lycanthrope and Shapeshifter. But, right. You know. Is there, is there a tie-in between the Shapeshifter in this, in this episode, or in any episode, and werewolves because there was some reference in in the script in the story of like when he's describing how they kill well just because it's a silver bullet but that was the only correlation that was the only well partly because you know werewolves change just like the shapeshifters change so i think there's a Mm. there's a a continuity there gotcha bodily movement change uh so you can kill them with silver silver knife silver reacts the same way got it so i think that was the connection I think it's a family of monsters because, you know, there's also like, there's all kinds of were creatures from different cultures and parts of the world. So there's sort of like, I like that too, the way that the hunters were getting their own sort of like lexicon built up, but it was really a bunch of Leonard Skinner fans (laughs) (laughs) trying to work out a taxonomy for creatures that have no names and no, yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. This is Richard Spate Jr. stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. Thanks for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. There's so many things in here in this script that I really love. Chris Cotier's character, you know, so many levels to that character. Uh, and then the FBI guy that comes on in Charles like Whitfield, Char- Charles, Charles yeah, Malik Whitfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's really great, and you know, there's then there's this whole other thing where he's chasing the boys. So you got lots of different things going on. I guess there's really no question to this other than it's a comment saying kudos. It's a great script. Did, Rob, you being a music guy, I'm curious if you if you noticed this because it stood out to me. I thought the score was especially good in this one. It was. I did stand out to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It felt big. Yeah, Chris did this one. It was so much fun. You know, one of the most fun scenes I had doing was going to Ronald's house. Yes. And yes. And, right. And here, the Fordian Times, that was a real cover of a magazine. Wow. I, I used to have a subscription to the Fordian Times. <laughs> <laughs> of I mean, course. It was, it was, no was, follow-up <laughs> questions, Your Honor. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, the, whole, the whole laser eyes to this day, my wife, if she 
see something <laughs> like that, she'll go, he's got the laser eye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see that. Martha, Martha will go, you know, That's something hilarious. like that. And Mandroid, of course, was the Mandroid's other. great. And, and Chris. Yeah, Mandroid. Was, Chris was so point, so on point with everything. His yes. timing, his excitement, his exuberance in being a, you know, this crazy guy who lives by himself. He's a, yeah. he's a night watchman, you know. But he, uh, yeah. he just stayed this side of cartoony, though. Like, that's what made it great, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought sure. he did such a great job of grounding the whole thing. Well, you, you saw the joy in it. He realized he wasn't crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a great thing. Like, like, he's got moment. a gun. Yeah, yeah. He's got a gun. He's holding up. He's got a bunch of people hostage. He's locked up in a bank, and he's like, see, I'm not nuts. And, yeah. But, like, he really was so happy in that moment. Yeah. It was great. And, and he really gets into it, like, yeah. aiming the gun around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I met Chris at a, a convention early, early on. He's a really sweet guy. And I wasn't sure if like this was going to be it for him. Like he, you know, then he dies. And we, we never see this actor again, right? Yeah, this is yeah. it. It's, it's, a shame. Um, it's too bad, but yeah. the laser beam hit him in the back. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah man. It's, a, it's like one of the better deaths I have been associated with as a longtime <laughs> murderer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people that people love. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that when he goes down at that moment, and also when the sound drops out, yeah, and it's just, and then that was great. It, it was so yeah. dramatic. It, and I gotta it, say, I didn't think he was gonna die. Like I, I, I know that's guest why stars he had are, to die. That's why he had because yeah, otherwise he would have been so cool to keep alive. Yeah, and watch right. his evolution as a hunter and have him crisscross back and forth. They had done it in uh, the Slayer verse, the uh, Buffy with uh, yeah. Wesley, the character Wesley, uh-huh. where if you saw like Ronald go from kind of has not actually been tested to somebody who has the, you know, the, the World War One trench face <laughs> yeah. in mm-hmm. season 10 or something, that would have been just amazing. But he, yeah. I think it was in. I think that was a pretty powerful death. Kind I of think it's it? a great death, and it makes sense to, to all of us. Uh, I'm sure uh, Chris Gautier would strongly yeah. disagree <laughs> with that choice. Sure. Well, yeah. like it, like I said, he's been to a few conventions. Like he, the fans yeah. caught on too. They they yeah. got it. This yeah. guy's really good. Phil was uh, was this like a mid season finale or something? It feels like it feels that big to me. It feels like well, I don't think so. you know what I mean. Never, I don't when, remember when they used to do that. When there was one special week where all the shows like rolled out their biggest. Episodes, well, you know what been, I mean? We'd have this was I don't know what episode was this twelve or twelve? It might have been coming yeah. back out of the yeah, it might have been coming back because we usually it was after. like between nine and nine eleven somewhere nine and eleven. Which I think nine and ten we, most of the time. Yeah, we showed nine or ten in a row, and then mm. take a break in December, come back in late January or something. There's always mm. like five weeks off. Mm. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at all of them and see what's. Mm. You uh, circling back on the shooting of it, Phil. You talked about it being in a real bank, which is an amazing coup for just yeah. That vault door was real. Bang for your wow. But what was the downside? Like that was you know because you're in small spaces. Like what was the pain about shooting in a bank? (laughs) All night shooting because it was only we could only be there at night. Would the crew take any of the money that was just in the vault? (laughs) Yeah, what happened to that? I don't see why they wouldn't. That that part of the vault wasn't available to us. (laughs) Oh, that's convenient. There was two sections of the vault. That seems like they didn't trust you. I think a little bit. That's weird. A little bit. (laughs) 
But the, um, a day you wouldn't, I wouldn't let a film crew of a film I was making shoot <laughs> in my own home. I never remember. Of course, some of the stuff we built, like the video room we built mm-hmm. and some of the hallways. So it, it married in. So it allowed this kind of labyrinth. Uh, mm. And plus that vault, those stairs, you actually come down into the vault, into the bank from the street level. It's actually below street level because right. it's on a hill. In, oh. in Vancouver, go, it, the, the whole building is built on a uh, on an angle, kind of. Oh wow! So when you do come down the stairs, you're you're upstairs to get in, and then you immediately come down into that big room. So that was all that was all real, and there was a, the vault part was real, and then the you know video room and the some of the uh, the hallways where they were looking around and and uh, mm-hmm. and closets and stuff like that. So yeah, and, and you had to shut down a street. You had to shut down the street outside. Yeah, we we did that. I think we were there over at the bank and at the and the outside probably three or four days. Probably that just feels so big. Like, that just feels big budget, man. I feel like they wouldn't. This very same script would not have been made at that price point six years later. Well, I don't you know. know. I mean, <laughs> this stuff was kind of tight on a. You know, we were only in one little corner and. Um, our big giant visual effect was actually the helicopter. Yeah. That was not really, you know, that was all CG. We didn't do that. You know, that. Uh, and that like does, them. it's, it's a worthwhile investment because I think that's why everyone is kind of in the back of their mind thinking, wow, that was huge. Yeah. <laughs> because think, yeah, you know, right. There was a helicopter at the party. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, there's the command center. There's mm-hmm. this, the SWAT truck. There's all these other cars, you know, a lot of them are just blocking the road. They're actually, we just put skins on them and make them look like they're part of Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, and then the news people, we've got real news cams. So we're like doing zooms and things like yeah. that Yeah. to make that real. I used to be a news cam cameraman when I first got out of college. So that huh. all that was very uh, in my wheelhouse, I guess, because yeah. I'd been to not a standoff or a bank robbery, but you know, stuff like that. We call that spot news when it's on the spot, you got to get there. So also got from it. your, from your max headroom experience. Yes. Correct? Yes. yes. <laughs> all that, all that is there. Um, oh, that's awesome. But you know, that is awesome. all the, all the video stuff, we had to set up all the security cam points of view so they could see things. And we'd have, yeah. we'd have to, you know, we did the zoom ins and things like that. We had to, yeah you know, make sure we had the right angles to get the glow, the laser eyes. Right, <laughs> right. Was any of that special effect? No, I mean, we might have added a little glow there, but uh-huh. that wasn't much. It was to be hmm. kind of silvery. Uh, right. But, uh, you know. It's great. I think, um, yeah, it was super, you know, watching it again, it was like, yeah, we did some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, was the episode always called Night Shifter? As long as it had a name, yes. I recall for some <laughs> reason, it, I do remember that moment. I remember telling Kripke the title of it. He was working on some other thing in uh, the writer's room, and I was like, it, it's, it should be called Night Shifter. <laughs> <laughs> that I makes sense, him. though. I mean, I that's I'm, really good. Oh, I, I thought mean, it was brilliant. I, it's, uh, and it makes not a lot of sense. It sounds like it makes sense, but it, it <laughs> doesn't. But, you know, he well, also sh- he he's shifting. It's night. Well, no, often, but it's like, but not exclusively. Not right, exclusively but, it, but the big shifter, setup, right. though, about the night the guard getting killed. Yeah, you know, it's, or, it's, yes. uh, 
Ronald Ronald is a night guard, a night shift That's true. guard. He works so, the yeah. night shift and he runs into a shifter. And it's almost mm-hmm. like one of those Wheel of Fortune puzzles <laughs> that has the... Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Do, it, do titles... Does the writer Is the writer responsible for the titles? I think a lot of the time um, that was the way it worked out. I recall titling most of mine. Sometimes the title I chose was like... Uh, <laughs> too asinine or or uh, up up its own ass. I don't know. So I don't it had know. something to do. Too much ass in it. it had too much That's ass. a great title. <laughs> uh, um, Ghost Facers. Everyone hates Hitler. Ghost Facers. What's that? Everyone hates Hitler. Was oh yeah, Hitler. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hollywood Babylon. That was the other one. Yeah, yeah that, uh, one, you know, that one might have been. That might have been Eric. I'm not sure. So Ben, you get you you know you write these scripts. You don't exactly know who's assigned to the slot. To direct it at least, or maybe you did at the point, but here you no. are, you write the script and then the maestro, Phil gets it. <laughs> that had yeah. to be exciting that you weren't getting shuttled off to some, you know, <laughs> flunky. I came to understand only through the process completely how much that is true. Um, <laughs> oh, and, no. and like watching okay. kind of, no, that was just truly like the amount of invention and sort of like, I don't know. No one's informed Phil that he's not making a, a major feature motion picture. No, <laughs> Good, no keep it that way. No one ever told him. Nobody's and, told and I don't think anyone should tell him. <laughs> he seems perfectly content. Yeah. But like a lot of like also really penetrative thinking into what the characters, if they're going to do something here, how does it reinforce the theme, the story, the character in that moment? Like so, those things are like uh, yeah. And so then only, I think more so after that, I would start to like watch the, the dice start to roll at the beginning of the season and see like, oh no, <laughs> he's not going to do that one. All right. I mean, but there are other very like talented, I had a lot of good runs with Bob Singer, you know, like, like right. he's also someone who obviously knew the show backwards and forwards and mm-hmm. like, uh, you know. I think uh, uh, also a, a number of memorable episodes, but uh, Phil, you're very special. Aw. Aw. Aw, What a great way to, to wrap up this phenomenal wrap it up. conversation. Oh, wait a minute. You're not even going to ask the one most important question. God, Rich, I can't believe you're not going to ask Well, that I thought you were going to take it, Rob, and you didn't. I said, well, I guess you know we're what? Not going there. Let's, let's, let's just go ahead and have Phil ask himself. Yes. You what was the question, You Phil? didn't ask about the song at the end. Oh, right. That, that's God, the first of all, in, well, it's the best. It's amazing. It's, best it's amazing. Music drop. Right. Best I music drop. I, can, and, I think. Sorry, guys, I gotta go now. I'm, <laughs> no. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something else. A little backstory about Rob Benedict and Rich Spade. Yeah. We've been yeah. watching Supernatural from the get go <laughs> on Netflix. On Netflix. Season one, we didn't get any music. None. Anybody oh. recognizes? No. We got nothing right because of the weird contract loophole. For season one, right. so it's oh. so GD refreshing to hear the hits of the seventies and eighties. So when you hear, yeah, on the tracks, it's great. Yeah, you hear sticks ripping in there. You're like, oh my god, this but, is this is the actual song. Yeah, yeah. The, the way you guys, Phil, the way you and the team like chopped it up to make it impactful and sort of well, drug out parts. It's so great. We asked uh, Chris to just create the beat because it stops before the scream comes in. Mm-hmm. We had it just play, and it was like, no, that's not right, and so. I think it was me and Tom McQuaid, our editor at the time. We pushed the the scream of the song right when Dean says we're screwed. But then they had that huge gap. So I think we asked either our music editor, Dino, or or Chris to come up with that little toot, 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 
and just repeat it until they got to it. And that's how that, that's how that came about. But that was super fun because it was like so perfect in that uh, this was going to be a bigger thing that, you know, we're going to see this guy again. He's going to show up Mm. in their lives, chasing him with the power of the FBI. Right. Right. Anyway. Yeah, it was almost like a, a remix, like Renegade remix. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> the Segretia mix. A bit. I don't I, I challenge everyone to find a more powerful uh you well, no, actually I would say also uh the emergence of death. Like the oh, first yeah. M- one of, of my death. favorite moments in the entire as series. Far as like, yeah. Those two to me are like the moments of Oh, with the with the car and the Yeah, uh, yeah with that oh, with the death. with the O oh, Death remake, oh, remix. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a young lady in the pro- promo department at the CW saying that. Wow. Jen Titus? Really? Is that Jen Titus. Titus? Yeah, she works yeah. in the, she, at the time, I don't know where she is now, but we uh, had her, she did it on, as a goof. And then wow. we said, wait a minute, let's see what that song is. And I forget who's the originator. It, it's, it's Ralph Stanley, Ralph, isn't it? You're Ralph Stanley. Nice old, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It's like yeah. an old, yeah. it's old bluegrass, old, yeah. old bluegrass tune. So she, the way she did it, we were like, why can't we use that? So <laughs> we uh, paid her some wow. and, and she she recorded it. Uh, wow. And that is lore right that there. That is massive lore. That's, that's like, an epic like song. Like Pink Floyd recording uh, the great gig in the sky. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That like, woman who came yeah, in and sang that. She, uh, that's awesome. We did it. We paid her some cash. <laughs> that's that's just the way in the industry. <laughs> she accepted legal tender as payments. Um, I only get paid in unregistered handguns. <laughs> like the old days. Back when we were running whiskey. But I digress. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Two of the greats okay. teaming up together to talk about a great episode. Thanks, in Absolutely. Lots of fun. Hey, this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. We are going to take a quick break. Hey, it's Jeffrey D. Morgan again. Welcome back to the podcast. God, I love those guys. And I feel like we brought, you know what, I'm I, I'm worried that we're people are going to stop believing us because after every interview, we're always like, what a great interview. Yeah. But we really have great interviews on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating uh, people, you know. Yeah. Amazing. And th- these are two that we've had on before. It was great to have them together. Really did feel like two all-stars. I do like having the guys or or, or people, guys and gals, who have worked together on mm-hmm. episodes because they really have a shared, different but shared experience. You know, Memory. Ben from the yeah. the writing of it and Phil from the directing of it, and ver- a little bit of overlap in pre production, but very different experiences and, like you say, different memories of the experience. It really makes for an interesting conversation. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the mythology. 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 Myth. Myth. Yes. Mythology. You know what? <laughs> We don't have to do much with mythology this time, Robbie. You know why? Because we done did it. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of we can kind of cheat here because we've talked about shapeshifters, right? So we're just gonna we're gonna do we're gonna and man, this is gonna be crazy. Robbie and I are gonna sound very different, and we probably have big lapels and bell bottoms on. <laughs> but this was way back in season one, episode six, skin when we talked about shapeshifters. Let's take a dive into the vault for this bad boy. Shapeshifters exist uh, in several different mythologies. Typically, the stories are about shapeshifting from human to animal. Oh, I didn't know that. Which, ironically, when I first saw the episode, this isn't a joke, I thought when I saw the shot of the rat, I was like, oh, is it is it a rat now? I, honestly, I didn't know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 
here's what I didn't totally understand. What what is the shapeshifter? It's just, when it's not. Yeah. When Jensen. It, when Jensen uh, sheds its skin, what is it? We never really know. I don't know. They talk a lot about like maybe it's so hideous that it evolved. Yeah, right. But I don't know. Never really got there. No. Well, it is uh, going to come back in in later episodes of Supernatural. I'm told. Um, Look at this. Check out this piece of mythology that I'm just pulling out of my brain. Did you know that there are stories in Norse mythology yeah. where Odin and Loki, huh? Yeah. Loki, right. have taken the form of women to nurse the children other women have given birth to? That's gross. I can't believe you would do that. I think that's called A-level parenting. You're not just going to change a diaper, brother. You're going to become a woman and help out with the nursing. That's good parenting. There's something about it that bothers me. Well, because you're 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 making it dirty in your mind. Okay. And as a guy who played Loki, I'm telling you, it's just being a committed husband. Okay. I guess it would be gross if you shapeshifted to be the baby to latch on. Which is what you would do. <laughs> <laughs> to my teat. And I don't appreciate it. In Greek mythology, uh, Proteus is the god of shapeshifting. Ah. Uh, lots of shapeshifters. It'd be an interesting uh, ability to have. I, if I could shift some shape, I'd take some of this donut down here, give it to me up top, be a little broad-shouldered. Shape, shift your, your own shape? Shift my own shape. I'd go from an an, uh, 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 an an apricot to a... I'd go from a pear to a... Upside-down pear. Exactly. Um, most popular shapeshifters in pop culture, some could argue Mystique. From X-Men. And the people who would make that argument are people who know who Mystique from X-Men is. That's right. I do not. Uh, Mystiqueers, they call themselves. Ah. Wow. That was amazing. It was as if it were like three months ago. I can, you've grown up so much since then. Um, you know, one thing I'll add, too, that's that, uh, you know, this different, as Ben was saying, this is a little bit different. This shapeshifter is a little bit different than the last shapeshifter in this episode. One thing that we didn't see before is that he actually kills, he almost clones them. What do you mean? Because- he kills his victim, right. but they, their body's still there. Yeah, it's really weird. Like I didn't realize that they had to. I didn't realize that they had to be dead to be shapeshifted. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get that part of it. But right, I guess I missed it. So yeah, and I didn't see that last time. It wasn't like I think that he just like killed them and then took put their skin on. But this one killed them and then recreated their skin. Right, exactly. That's why there were two of her at the end. His kind of clonish. Was it cl- uh, clony? All that cloning around. I love George Clooney. George Clooney. It's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts. Fun. I love getting a fax. <laughs> you know, uh, the Fortean Times was an actual British magazine about unexplained phenomena. Say that again in a British accent. Here he is, Robert Edict, as a British man reading this fun fact. The Fortean Times was an actual British magazine about unexplained phenomena. More tea, please. Sorry, I'm having a spot of tea while you read this bit. I concur. Well, hello, mythology. Hello, Mr.ology. <laughs> the issue that Ronald Resnick shows Sam and Dean has a Cyberman from Doctor Who on the cover. Oh, did you know that Mandroid is a term that was also used in an X-Files episode? Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Wow, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. And then the episode title is an homage to the 1982 film Night Shift, starring... Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton, and Shelley Long. That movie is a masterpiece. If you haven't it seen that movie, nice truly go is. watch it. One of my favorites. In Latin America, the title translates into Mimicry 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. One is already a sequel? I guess it's, yeah. I guess it's Mimicry 1 already came out. Mim- Mimicry Uno was already a hit somewhere uh-huh. in Latin America. 
In Germany, the title translates to The Mandroid. Huh. I don't believe that. Yeah. I mean, it translates, I think what he's saying is that this is what it's called in those countries. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. Right. Mandroid is also yeah. a 1993 direct-to-VHS film starring Brian Cousins. Ah. Uh. Or Brian's cousin, if you have a friend <laughs> named Brian and know his cousin. Well, that was awesome. What an episode. We both loved it. It got big beards. It was yeah. just a great experience. And we had Ben, we had Phil. The whole the whole episode's been a home run. It really has. It's been beards and fun all the way through. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars included Chris Gautier, Charles Malik Whitfield, Emmy Anke, Georgia Craig, and Sanjay Talwar. Night Shifters was written by Ben Edlund and directed by Phil Sergrisha. Edited by Tom McQuaid, music by Christopher Leonards. Supernatural is executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The episode features the classic song Renegade by Styx. The episode originally aired on January 25th, 2007. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Heide Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And by all means, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Benedict. Two decades or two marriages? Hold on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Really scary oh, when you're great. interrupted by your own voice. Okay. Uh, SWAT storms the... <laughs> Dude, if I'm ever an action star, I want my name to be SWAT, SWAT storms. storms. <laughs> SWAT storms. You know what you should do? Like my first movie as that action hero, the movie's called The Building. And so on the top, it has my name. SWAT Storms. Storms. The Building. The Building. That's right. That's good. Thank you. Um, Okay. Rich, Night Shifter. Was that too slurry just now? No. All right. And now, oh, wait, we got to wrap up the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Was that someone saying miss, but they had a lisp? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Myth. Myth. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's we've like done your it last before. name is Ology. Myth, mythology. <laughs> yes. Oh, hi, what Mr. can mythology. I do for you? Hi, Mister Mythology. Is it myth mythology? Um. <laughs> so, uh, the issue that Ronald Resnick's show Sam and Dean had as a what the issue you've got issues that Ronald Resnick shows. Okay, yeah, this is the apostrophe. Ignore the apostrophe. Okay, ignore got the it. apostrophe. Got it. Yeah. The issue that... <laughs> Story Bell Media. 